0: Welcome back to the Hypnotoad podcast on the Harlan College Sports Podcast Network. It is your favorite TCU podcaster back at it again. A big win against the Cougars this past weekend. The Houston Cougars got the job done, 36-13. We'll mention that game, of course. We got to talk about all other things in the Big 12 because a little bit of a shifting, shuffling. I want to talk about how that affects TCU and then Going to highlight the game this weekend as the Ponies come to town. SMU 2-1 as well this season. Battle of the Skillet, Rivalry Week. You know it's a big one, and it's going to be the last one for a while, so we'll talk about that. Uh, But first, got to remind you, subscribe, rate, review the podcast wherever you get the Hypnotoad Podcast: Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever, please help us continue to grow the brand. You've done a great job through one season. We have done a great job of building the brand Let's get as many of our friends on board as possible. The way to do that, subscribe, rate, review, and then, of course, share on social media. That is the number one way to help build the podcast brand. All right, let's uh, talk about it. So The AP poll comes out. TCU, after a dominating win, 36-13 win, does not get ranked. The other teams, UT beats Wyoming. They are now number four in the country. Unranked Missouri knocks off Kansas State The 61-yard field goal, the longest game-winning field goal in SEC history, knocks off the Wildcats, and boy, was it a a nice one to see. Look, you always root for the Big 12 when they're playing the SEC or the Big 10. It's been mentioned multiple times across different platforms that uh, when the SEC loses a game, or the Big 10 loses a game, their teams stay ranked. When the Big 12 loses a game out of uh, conference play, all of a sudden those teams get dropped off. Well, that's exactly what happened at K-State. A 61-yard field goal for Missouri, 3-0 Missouri, by the way, uh, knocks them out of the top 25. So they're out there with us in the receiving votes column of the AP votes. And then number 16, uh, OU beats uh, Tulsa, 66-17. So two teams in the Big 12 ranked, Texas and Oklahoma. Do you think there's a coincidence there? I'm not saying it's a media bias. I'm just saying that uh, it's something to keep your eye on, to say the absolute least. So TCU... With a win against Houston, doesn't get ranked. I imagine this weekend against 2-1 SMU, a win against the Mustangs, probably props them up, gets them in the top 25. It'll be curious to see how uh, the rest of it goes. The other thing is, TCU playing their first conference game in Week 3 puts them at the top of the charts in the Big 12. So right now, take a screenshot of the Big 12 rankings because TCU is number 1. Now, things are going to change after this weekend When Texas plays Baylor and Oklahoma does their stuff, those rankings are going to change a little bit, right? But right now in the conference standings, TCU is number one. Again, screenshot it so you can tell your friends. At one point, the Horned Frogs were number one in the conference. All right. Huge win, 36-13 against Houston. I told you before the season began that this was a game that I was very curious about. I thought that Houston was going to come in with a lot more firepower. They have now lost two games in a row. They lost to Rice last week. They lost to TCU this week. Houston, we have a problem. Dana Holgerson, we have a problem. TCU defense, looking great. This is the second week in a row that TCU's defense has not allowed a touchdown. Second week in a row, they have not allowed a touchdown. The defense aside the side of the ball. Now, the special teams, a, kick return, or a punt return is how the Cougars ended up on the board to score a, a touchdown, but TCU blanked them in the second half. That's the other thing. So here's some guts. Here's some uh, some big notes that I took. And it goes down to three different positions. It goes down to the quarterback position, the wide receiver position, and the defense. Those are the three big takeaways. And I'm not, I'm not trying to do it every single week. I don't want to harp on Chandler Morris every week. But the loss against Colorado to start the season, which now in hindsight people are talking about is maybe not that bad of a loss. And hopefully at the end of the year, when TCU wins the Big 12, that at the end of the year, when they say, okay, one lost TCU who's lost to Colorado, who ended up, you know, doing whatever they do, maybe they're a two or three lost team now with Travis Hunter being hurt. Uh, he's going to be out for three weeks, we learned this morning. Maybe Colorado contends for the Pac 12. Maybe they play in the Pac 12 championship. That loss is not going to look as bad. And I thought that at the time. I said at the time, hey, that Colorado loss might not look that bad in the rearview mirror when we talk in week seven, eight, nine. But right now, I can tell you firmly and definitively that TCU wins that game if Chandler Morris doesn't throw those red zone interceptions. One of them was a boneheaded mistake. One of them in the going into the uh, the south end zone, getting picked off by the white safety for Colorado, whose name escapes me right now. Getting picked off in the end zone by a safety, that is inexcusable. Getting picked off by Travis Hunter, he's going to be the one of many victims across Hunter's career. Hunter is an incredible defensive back. That's going to happen. He, got, he threw the ball. The only two people who could make a play on it is Travis Hunter and his wide receiver. Hunter made the, the grab. But those two red zone interceptions raised a red flag to me that Morris is throwing the ball around the field maybe a little bit too much, maybe a little bit too willy-nilly, maybe a little bit too careless. And against Houston, we saw a similar thing. How many times are you sitting on your couch or you're watching at the bar and Morris tries to throw in between two defenders? I'm not trying to harp on the guy. He's our quarterback. He's the guy that we need to have playing well if TCU wants to win games. But, man, oh, man, he throws these very boneheaded passes in the first half of these games, then he settles down. That's completely fine. You can get away with it with a team like Houston. You can get away with it with a team like Nickel State. You're probably not going to get away with it this coming week against SMU. You're not going to get away with it against Texas or Oklahoma. You, you, you have to have better ball security, better ball control. Uh. Threw the ball very well, 314 yards, two touchdowns. He did throw an interception, his second game or second game in three games, second time in three games, I should say, throwing a pick. Again, these are things that you kind of don't want to harp on. They do need to get corrected, and hopefully, talking to uh, our guys over at HarlandCollegeSports.com, where they do an incredible job covering all of the uh, Big 12 teams. According to them. I kind of agree with him. Our guy Pete Mundo wrote this past week when he did his power rankings that Morris looks like the type of quarterback who is going to maybe develop as time goes on. As the season goes on, he's going to get better. Hopefully that is the case. TCU cannot afford to lose this game this week against SMU. Uh, He did hit five different receivers. uh, Savion Williams and Warren Thompson both scored touchdowns. Thompson was the guy I told you about last week, the senior receiver, who I was kind of surprised turned into this pass-catching target in, in the red zone and a target that Morris is looking at down the field as much. Because we, we came into the season expecting guys like Earl. Uh, we expected you know some of those transfer-wide receivers to come in and make more of an impact. And they really haven't yet. It's still early in the season. Not something to be super concerned about. In fact, I'm really impressed by hitting five different receivers, considering that you look at some other teams across the country, they can't hit four different receivers, let alone five. And they're all getting 30, 40 yards a game, keeping defenses on their toes. It's a good idea. Morris is doing a good job spreading the wealth around. I'm not upset about that. I'm not upset that he's not hitting the the transfer wide receivers. I am surprised that he has picked these two guys to be his number one and two target in, in uh, touchdown catches. Completely fine. We'll move on. All right, Imani Bailey, boy, oh, boy, this guy I said before the season I was kind of surprised that Trey Sanders hasn't turned into running back one. Boy, I am so happy that Bailey has been able to be the running back one. He is a workhorse back. There really isn't this distribution of plays between him and Sanders, at least so far through three weeks To my, to, from what I'm seeing at least. There's not a distribution between, like, okay, you're going to get one offensive series, now you get an offensive series, or, hey, third and short, we're going to put Sanders in there versus third and long, we want Bailey as a wide receiver threat, or a catching threat, pass-catching threat. Has not really been the case. had Has really been Bailey's show. And he had a bum ankle on Saturday. Um, Sonny Dykes was worried he wasn't even going to be able to play. He got his second 100-yard uh, rushing game of the season. 23 carries for 126 yards and a score, had three receptions for 23 yards. Look, is he Kondre Miller coming out of the backfield, grabbing passes? No. But there's only a handful of running backs in the country who are like that, who, who you can use consistently in the passing game. And maybe that's something that he builds up to. Maybe that's something that Bryles and Dykes build into the offense as the season continues. And maybe as Morris gets a little bit more comfortable in the offense as well, that Bailey turns into a pass-catching back. But right now, I'm very impressed by Imani Bailey. So he is my player of the week this week. Even though Morris threw the touchdown passes and, and looked really good in the passing game, and he throws for over 300 yards, I'm giving the uh, the award to Bailey this week because he, he looked great. And then the defense, man. Boy, two interceptions, Ben don't break. It's a really tough gauge, right? It's really hard to judge what we can expect um, from this defense because game one, the defense looked, I said afterwards, awful. Awful might be too strong of an adjective to use about the defense. The tackling wasn't good. I can tell you that much right now. Way too many arm tackles. Nichols State, again, really tough to judge off an FCS opponent. So we go off of this Houston game, and the tackling looked better. It looked a lot better than week one, and if that's something that's going to continue to build on, I'm okay with where we're at. Two interceptions, though, that's the other big thing, is getting Donovan Smith, who is not the best quarterback in the conference by any means. right? Dylan Gabriel, Quinn Ewers, those two guys are the top of class. Playing those quarterbacks will be the real test. That is the SAT. That's the bar, right? That's the exam on if we can stop those guys, if we can make Quinn Ewers look human, can make Dylan Gabriel look human, then come playoff time when we're having to play a Caleb Williams, a uh, Sanders again potentially, but you know, you, you feel more confident. Okay, hey, we beat these other NFL quality caliber quarterbacks. What can we do against these guys? You know, Smith is not that. Donovan Smith is not an NFL quality quarterback, at least at this point in the season. Um, Through 18 games, this is a really interesting stat. Joe Gillespie, the defensive coordinator, uh, has had trouble getting pressure on the quarterbacks. However, they really beat up Smith. Now, I don't know if that is a Cougar problem. I don't know if that's a problem with the Houston team not having good pass defense or having a good pass coverage in that that regard, right, like protecting their guy. Uh, I do think this, that having Sanders... Uh, play as well as he did in week one, throwing for, what, almost 500 yards. I think that was a wake-up call. I think losing in the national championship to Georgia last year, a little bit of a wake-up call. TCU looked great against Michigan in the Fiesta Bowl. That was the peak of the defense. So they're trying to get back to that point. Uh, They accumulated 564 yards of total offense On Saturday, and this is where this is where we shift gears here and talk about the negatives, right? And again, Morris has a great game. Bailey is the player of the week. The defense looks really good against Houston. Keeps them off the board. Keeps them out of the end zone. Five hundred and sixty-four total yards of offense and thirty-six points to show for it. Not ideal. Not exactly what you want out of your offense, not exactly what it was sold to TCU fans with the Kendall Bryles era. Right, we bring this guy in, we're essentially laundering the Bryles name through the TCU brand. You're hoping that you know he shows up and he really brings something. Finishing with 36 points is fine, you would have expected more points, is all I'm going to say. And I think that that that's something that going forward that TCU is going to have to correct. Like, I'm not saying have fewer yards, I'm saying score more points. So, we'll see if they can get it done this week against SMU, which is where we shift gears. Battle of the skillet. Now, we talked earlier this year one of the best regional rivalries in college football. This rivalry between Fort Worth and Dallas, this rivalry between TCU and SMU, a regional rivalry that gets a ton of fans in the state excited, gets both of these fan bases really excited. It comes to an end in 2025. So this is one of the last two or three times these two teams are going to play each other, at least in the foreseeable future. So this is a very important game, I think, not only because Dykes is 3-0 in these games, beating TCU twice at SMU and then once last year. He wants to keep that perfect streak going. It's a big game. It's against an opponent that has a little bit more cachet. It's an opponent that if you beat... Is gonna get some people's attention, not only around the state of Texas, but also around the nation. Uh, and SMU has a really good team. Now they beat Prairie View last week. Uh, finished they they beat the absolute dog out of uh, <laughs> out of Prairie View. Had kept them under 200 total yards. A 69-0 win is an all-time ass kicking by <laughs> the Ponies. All-time whooping on Prairie View. Again, you really cannot base a ton off these FCS opponents. There's not a lot that you're gaining from information there. Uh, Preston Stone, the sophomore quarterback for SMU, threw for 300 yards and five touchdowns. He also rushed for a touchdown as well. His best game of his career. Probably one of the best games he's ever going to have. Six total touchdowns. Not a lot of guys do that. Okay. Again, don't really know what to expect. You're going up against an FCS opponent. And then uh, Jalen Knighton. Er, yeah, Knighton uh, he's the all he's the leading rusher right now for SMU. He was suspended because of classroom policy, is what the coaching staff said for SMU. So he didn't even play in this game, and the Mustangs absolutely blew the doors off Prairie View. Does not really matter. The Ponies had 177 yards on the ground anyway. This was a it was a, it was like the Nickel State game two weeks ago for TCU, right? It was a palate cleanser because this is the game that actually matters. Week two, SMU lost to Oklahoma, 28 to 11. In that game, OU's Dylan Gabriel he was kept in check in between the 20s. So for 20 to 20, he did a really they did a good job containing one of the better quarterbacks in the country. But in the red zone, multiple touchdown passes. Gabriel ended with four TDs on the on the day. I think he had like two. In the red zone, so the red zone defense for SMU—that is where they are the weakest, in my opinion, and from seeing the couple of games that I've been able to see with SMU. Now, granted, I'm not wa- uh, sitting on the couch taking notes like I do for TCU, but from what I have seen from SMU, the red zone defense is going to be the thing that keeps you know, to keep an eye on. I think. Now, what's funny is that Chandler Morris, his red zone offense. Not exactly the best. Not anything to really write home about. So it is going to be one of those un- unstoppable objects meets unmovable force, right? Like what, Chandler Morris wants to throw red zone interceptions, and the SMU defense does not want to play any sort of pass coverage in the red zone. Who will win in this in this scenario, right? Now, granted, I'm, I'm having a little bit of fun here, but it's it's kind of true, right? And the thing that TCU has really done best. The offense has been predicated this season on, let's get the run set up first. I was just watching this really good documentary uh, on, on ESPN, or I think it was on YouTube or something, and they were talking about the different types of coaching philosophies, right? And a lot of coaches, the Sonny Dykes tree, right, the Mike Leach tree, they don't really want to use the run game all that much. They want to use the pass game. As the run game, okay, we're going to use slants, swing passes, screens. We're going to throw the ball around a ton. And now I think you've seen a little bit of a change with the personnel that TCU has that they can run the ball relatively well. They can run the ball in between the tackles with Bailey, with Sanders. I think that is where the TCU game plan is this weekend. To beat SMU, which they should beat SMU, I think TCU on paper, same way that I thought on paper before the Colorado game, which I was incorrect about. Now I will go back and say, I thought on paper TCU was more talented. I thought they had more stuff, right? I was wrong about Colorado. Colorado was more talented than TCU on paper. They were more talented on the field. I said it against Houston. On paper, TCU is better than Houston, and that is how it played out. On paper, TCU has a better game plan. They have a better defense, and I think they have an all-around better team than SMU does. Bailey being injured with this ankle injury, I'd be curious to see. We're recording this podcast Monday morning after uh, the weekend games. I'd be curious to see what it looks like come Wednesday, what the reports are. That's something to kind of keep your ear to the ground on. Because if Bailey's injured, let's say, he's coming into this game at 55% instead of 85%, and we have to see Sanders a little bit more, then I would be, okay, maybe this is going to be a more low-scoring game. Because like I said, Oklahoma only scored 28 points on SMU's defense. Like, SMU wasn't getting gouged. Dylan Gabriel and the running game for Oklahoma looked really good, right? Dylan Gabriel did not... I think he threw for under 200 yards. I think he had like 176 yards in that, in that game Four touchdowns, four passing touchdowns. The running game for uh, Oklahoma, that is where they were able to move the ball. So TCU in this one is going to have to be able to run the ball in between the tackles. They're going to have to be able to get the ball to different receivers. And, hey, guess what? That's one of Morris's best aspects. That's one of the things he's been doing best through these games. You look around the rest of the conference, this is a big game, it's a rivalry game, battle of skill, you want to win it. The rest of the league is in a precarious situation. I look at where Texas is having to go to Waco to play Baylor, and Texas has the ultimate target on their back. And the fact that they had a very tough game on Saturday night against Wyoming. Now granted, they went 31-10, they put up 21 points in uh, I think the fourth quarter, I think Quinn Ewers looked average, he looked human through the first half. And then in the second half is really when things started to light up for the Longhorns. And that game was at home, and they had trouble with Wyoming. Now, granted, Wyoming beats Tech, right? Maybe Wyoming's a lot better. Maybe the Cowboys are a lot better than I'm giving them credit for here. But it does make me pause that Texas might be on a little bit of a roller coaster. Like maybe this is a Texas team. That right now they're rated as high as they've ever been rated. I think this is the last time they were ranked this high in the AP polls. Was in two thousand nine. Maybe they're on a roller coaster run, and maybe they are one of the best teams in the country, or maybe Baylor finally is able to pull their head out of the sand and win a game. Right? TC's got to win this game against SMU. They want to correct some of those problems. They got to fix the kicking game. The kicking game has been relatively average. They miss a kick against Colorado. They miss a kick against Houston. That is going to be something that, look, if you don't correct it now in week three or four, then come week 10 and you need to get a kickoff, I'm going to be real concerned. And I think some of the players on the team, on the, on the sideline, are going to be concerned too if they don't have a consistent kicker. Don't switch kickers midstream here, but maybe we uh, spend a little bit more time in practice Working on late situation games, right? Like maybe I don't know. There's ways to practice it. There's got to be other kickers don't have these problems. That is one of the underlying behind or under the surface problems with this TCU team. Morris turned the ball over. Running backs being maybe a little bit banged up early in the season. The kicking game. The only thing that I've been really impressed by is this TCU defense. Has I've seen it week after week after week getting better like it's been week three is way better than week one let's see if it looks even better in week six we'll see what happens so all right tcu smu 11 a.m fs1 make sure you have it on your uh, local cable you know with all the cable disputes that have been going on i I don't know anymore what channels i have what channels i don't have it's just been a so it's been real frustrating and it's not going to get any better. If you think it's going to get better, it's not going to get any better with all the different carriers and stuff like that. So hopefully, make sure you have it, and we'll uh, we'll be back next week talking about a uh, TCU win and what it looks like for the rest of conference play for the Sworn Frog team, which I still contend is going to be playing in the conference championship at the end of the season. I'm back on board, baby. We're playing for the conference championship at the end of the season, and uh, maybe Kansas State continues to lose games because uh, I really do – Uh, not like those guys. That's going to do it for the TCU podcast. It's going to do it for the Hypnotoad podcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you subscribe, rate review, wherever you get our merry little podcast, and please continue to support. You've done a really good job of helping us build this brand to where it is now. It's only going to get bigger and better. And Go read heartlandcollegesports.com because they have you covered for all things Big 12. They did an excellent, excellent job. I love reading the three thoughts, recaps that they uh, put up after the games. That's going to do it for us. We'll talk to you next week.